Revelation chapter 5, verse 1, begins like this. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or even under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders all fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchase men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them singing, to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be praise, and honor, and glory, and power, forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down, and they worshiped. I love Mother's Day. I love Holidays that involve family get-togethers. I see Miss Martha and some of her family here. It's so good seeing you, Miss Martha. It's so good seeing you. So good seeing all of your family members who are here. I saw my mama yesterday. She drove down from north of the equator up in Cumming to be with me yesterday. We grilled burgers and grilled chicken on the grill. I put fresh sand in the horseshoe pit. Played a few horseshoes. Now, Mama didn't, but I did while Mama was watching. It was my 50th Mother's Day. I'm to that age where Mother's Day and any family holiday, but especially Mother's Day, is especially treasured to me. Because I know that I've had more of them with her than I will have with her. And that saddens me, but it causes me to treasure every time I'm with her now. My mama has been a mama to me. You have to earn that title. Mama. She's seen me through more crises. She's helped me through them. She's been through many of my crises before I ever experienced them. And so I'd be in the middle of the crisis and I'd call her up. Mama, I'm having a hard time. Well, tell me about it. And I'd tell her about it, and she would say, Oh, well, let me tell you what I did whenever I experienced that same kind of crisis. 
And let me tell you that I, that crisis is behind me now, Jim. You're going to make it. You know, whenever you're in a crisis, it helps to be able to see and, and if possible to talk with people who already have experienced that crisis and come through it. They give you hope. The people John was writing the Revelation to were in a crisis. They were being persecuted for their religious faith. It was religious persecution. And they were crying out, asking questions, wondering about where God was. Why is this happening to me? What is going to happen to me? And John is trying to offer them hope. He's trying to prepare them for a future that will be difficult. But it will be triumphant. But it will be difficult before it's triumphant. And so he tries to prepare them for the future. Now, one of the ways that he prepares them for the future is that in chapter 4, you will recall that John looked up and in heaven he saw a door opened and he was invited to come up there to heaven for two main reasons. One, to see the earthly crisis from a heavenly perspective. That's so important. You know, if, if you look at this whole room here as all the time that there ever will be, and if you'll just look at this little speck of space between my thumb and my index finger, that right there is my earthly life. And then narrow your thumb and index finger almost to the point where they touch, and that's where my crisis is. But when I'm in the middle of that crisis, sometimes that's all I see. I think there's not going to be any getting out of the crisis. I may even lead myself to believe that I've always been in that crisis, that all my life has been a crisis. But if you're able to step back, maybe step up into the balcony of heaven and look down, that crisis looks so small. Not only does it look small, but you realize that it's not going to last forever and you will come out of it. There is light at the end of the tunnel because there's an exit. From the crisis. John was carried up into heaven so that he could see an earthly crisis from a heavenly perspective. He also was enabled to see God. And he saw three things in particular about God that help us in our crisis. The first thing he saw was that God was walking among the people that John was writing to. That is, God is with us. That certainly is not what it feels like when I'm going through a crisis. I don't know about anybody else, but there have been times when walking through a crisis, I feel abandoned, even by God. I feel alone. And yet, John tells us that he sees God walking with you and never leaving you. The second thing he saw about God was that God was on the throne. That was the first thing he saw when he was carried up into heaven in, John chapter, in Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. He saw God on the throne, not the Roman Empire, not the Roman Emperor, not cancer, not disease, not marital difficulty or job loss. He saw God on the throne. And it reminded his readers, and it reminds, should remind you and me, that no matter what we go through in life, no matter how overwhelming a crisis may be, the crisis has never been and never will be on the throne. God is the one who's on the throne. The third thing that John saw about God was, he said, I looked on the, on, at the person on the throne, and in his right hand there was a scroll. We'd call it a book. In his right hand was a book. What was the book? If you read through the rest of the Revelation, you realize that that book contained their future. And where was that book of their future? It was in God's hand. So God is with you, 
God is on the throne and in in control of your life, and God holds your future in his hand. If that doesn't give comfort to John's readers, and if that doesn't give comfort to you and me in our crises, there's not much that will. But there was something else that John saw in his vision of heaven. While he was up in heaven looking around, there was something else he saw that gave him and his readers comfort. The Bible says that he saw the people who were in heaven and they were worshiping God. Have you ever wanted to ask the question, I wonder what the folks in heaven are doing today. I wonder what so-and-so's doing. I wonder what JT's doing or Homer or Lynn. I wonder what Elizabeth Lambert is doing or Harriet Watson or Austin Massey or Walter Davenport. Reckon what those folks are doing. The Bible says that they are worshiping God. Now, we might step back and say, I'm a little disappointed. I was hoping maybe they were strolling over a green field or walking the streets paved with gold or something of that sort. They were worshiping God. The Bible says that John saw 24 elders and they were bowed before the throne of God, and they were worshiping God. That's very important, very important. You know why? Because they could have been doing a lot of other things, but instead they were worshiping God. Now, who are they, first of all? 24 elders. 12 times 2. Most commentaries will tell you, well, it's the 12 patriarchs representing the 12 tribes of Israel, and then the 12 disciples who were later called apostles. 12 plus 12, 24. That's who they are. Yeah, it is. But there's more than that. You see, throughout the Revelation, that number 12 is a symbol of the people of God. 12 is representative of the people of God. So if there are 12 patriarchs, people of God. 12 tribes of Israel, people of God. 12 disciples, people of God. 12 apostles, people of God. 24 is a multiple of 12, people of God. Later in the Revelation, you get a big number, 144,000. What is that? That's a multiple of 12. What does it represent? The people of God. So when you look at those 24, don't just think that it's the 12 patriarchs, that is Joseph, Judah, Zebulun, Nephtali, Issachar. It is them, but so much more. When you look at those 24, don't just think that it's James and John and Andrew and Peter and Thaddeus. It is them, but it's so much more. It represents the people of God. You see, I can't envision Peter. I can't envision Naphtali or even Joseph. But I can envision Homer. And I can envision Lynn. And I can envision JT and Elizabeth and Austin. I can envision Miss Margaret Alford. I can envision Miss Julia Roberts who used to sit back there at the back and was always faithful to be here. I can envision all of them. And they make up those 24. They make up those elders because they make up the people of God. Now, why is it so important? What does this have to do with making it through a crisis? It's very simple. Did you notice that they're not crying up there? Did you notice that they don't have a problem up there? Did you notice that they're not grumbling up there? Did you notice they're not complaining up there? Did you notice that they don't have a sickness up there? Did you notice that there are no 
marriage problems up there. They're just worshiping. They're full of joy. They're full of excitement. They're full of enthusiasm. Do you know why? Because they have been through the crises of their lives and they have come through it. They've even been through the most dreaded crisis of all. You know what that is? Death. You say, well, I don't fear death. I don't either on most Mondays. And even whenever I don't fear death, I kind of dread the way it's going to come. It's going to come some way. I wish I could choose the way it comes if it's going to have to come. Of course, I'd love for the Lord to just take me on up like he did uh, Enoch. You remember Enoch? Bible says that Enoch walked with God and all of a sudden he was not because God took him. I mean, you walk with God for so long that finally you just walk on into heaven. That's what I'd like to do. But Enoch is one of the few that I read about who ever did that. More than likely, I'm going to die. I wish I could choose how I do it. Probably not going to be able to. Kind of dread the way it's going to come. But the folks up in heaven have already passed through that, ladies and gentlemen. They've already passed through that. They've come through on the other side and they said, you know what? I made it through that. It, was, it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was. And now I'm in heaven where there is no death, no sickness, no struggle, no pain, no complaining, no grumbling, no crying, no tears, no friction, no conflict. Everything's just wonderful. And those folks, John says, I, he's saying to those of us who are still on earth, he said, I want you to look. I took a Polaroid picture of these folks. And you know what they're doing? They're worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know why they're doing that? Because when you make it through a crisis and you realize that you've made it through and God has brought you through, what else is there to do but to fall down and worship the Lord? Who do you know who's in heaven? I didn't say who did you know. I said, who do you know? Well, picture them doing two things. Picture them falling before the Lord, worshiping Him and thanking Him for seeing Him through the crisis. How could He see them through the crisis? John says that they, He looked and He saw a lamb as it had been slain. The lamb has been through the worst crisis of all and come through it and he can take us through the crisis that we have and see us through it. Who do you know that's in heaven right now? See them worshiping before the Lord, but hear them saying something to you. I've made it. And so will you. The Bible says that John looked and they looked through heaven and through earth, and no one was worthy to take that book, that scroll. But the Bible said that Jesus stood up and he took the scroll from the right hand of God the Father. You know what that says to me? That says, and remember, that scroll is the book of their future, your future. That says to me this, there's no better, safer, more, more wonderful place to invest your future than in the hands of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you invested your future in Jesus? Let me tell you, if you invest your future in Jesus, that, that is an investment that will never experience a depression. It will never experience a recession. It will never have a one-day drop of 900 points. It will never do that. You won't have to worry about that. So you're going through a crisis, are you? You think you're not going to get through it, maybe? Get a glimpse of heaven. The people you know there, 
have said crisis is all over. And it can be all over for you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for caring about us in our crises. We thank you, Lord, for showing us a glimpse of heaven. You are with us. You are on the throne and in charge, and you hold our future in your hands. And Lord, thank, thank you for allowing us to see our loved ones in heaven. They're not hurting. They're not crying. They're not sick. They're not in pain. They're worshiping because they have come through the crisis. And while they worship, they look down upon us and they say, I have made it by the grace of the Lord Jesus and so will you. Hang on. Don't let go. The Lord will bring you through. He will. Thank you for that kind of message on Mother's Day. In Jesus' name, amen.